SB Nation and Underdog Dynasty present the Underdog Podcast. Welcome everybody into another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sunbelt Podcast. I'm your host, Georgia Southern writer for Underdog Dynasty, Brian Stone, joined once again this week by Georgia State writer for Underdog Dynasty, Zeke Palermo. Uh, Zeke, uh, we had a lot of, uh, you know, good games, uh, Mm -hmm. this week within the Sunbelt. Um, but there's one and we'll, and we'll talk about the game itself, but just to start off, not talking about, uh, the game and more on the, uh, I guess, social media or outside the line side of things. There's one fan base in particular that's gonna, gonna have to eat, uh, eat some crow this week. Yeah. Um, so it's no secret over the past couple of weeks, um, we've been we I say we I especially have been really hard on Southern Miss um, and their offense. I'm incredibly unimpressed by what they do on a week to week basis. Um, I know they won three straight games. They beat Louisiana, but they beat Arkansas State. They beat Texas State, um, including one of those games putting up 39 points. But I was um, I was not impressed by that offensive performance. Um, a handful of Southern Miss fans got a hold of that clip. One guy um, posted probably two minutes of um, last week in the week prior's podcast um, and did not take kindly to what we had to say. And again, I say we, I mean, more specifically, I had to say about um, that offense. And they said, um, you know, they, they were just having fun, poking fun at a uh, about uh at my voice at uh at you know my uh, uh at the podcast as a whole but i'm just you know i'm having my connor uh, mcgregor moment where i get to apologize to absolutely nobody and you sent me that clip right after the uh state southern game ended so you know there's a uh, football speaks for itself and we'll talk about it more when we get to the game but you know southern miss fans i, I appreciate your fandom of your team but there's an objective thing that goes on when we watch sports and you've got to, you've got to not let your fandom um, cloud the objective view of, yeah, don't, don't be too much of a homer. I I appreciate the fandom and it's that that's something I love about sports, but there, there are just facts about that team, about that offense that people were uh, being a little blind to. But uh, aside from that, I'd like to start, as we always do, with the first game, and that was uh, App State Coastal. Yeah, so let's go ahead and get get into the, the games itself. Thursday, last Thursday night, uh, Coastal took on App State in a game that wasn't as close as the final score indicated. Um, mm-hmm. You know, App scored two touchdowns in the final 11 minutes of the game. Uh, when they were down 21 points, uh, they were down 35-14 with 13 minutes left in regulation. Listen, man, I I watched a lot of this game. Uh, I, I sort of started to tune out uh, when they went up 35-14 just because I was like, App's offense looks anemic. And yeah. a lot of uh, Ab fans that I've seen you know, on, on social media and stuff like that have attributed it to just poor play calling um, uh, by Sean Clark and the rest of the staff. I, I'm going to be honest. I, I think the real the reality is they are not that good of a football team. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're they're a solid middle of the pack Sun Belt East team. 
they can beat, and I say this as a Georgia Southern fan, we'll probably lose to App State in here in a couple weeks, but they can beat any of those middle tier teams from either the West or the East. You know, they're, they're, they're better than a lot of the Western schools. They're better than, I would say, a lot of the East teams, but they're not in that upper echelon. Um, of Sunbelt of Sunbelt teams period anymore. And Mm -hmm. I think it's, I think it's getting hard for a lot of these fans to sort of come to grips with that because they want Clark fired. They want Bryce benched, kicked off the team, you know, what have you extreme measures. I think the key is just, you lost too much talent from last year to this year. You don't have the receiving weapons you had. And because of that, they they can't call games the same as they did last year. So mm-hmm. you you see it play out when they play the Texas State game or the second half of James Madison or this game. Like I said, the 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 last time that they were in contention to make a run at this game was halftime because it, it, their offense came out in the second half and just looked dead. I mean, they mm-hmm. couldn't do anything. Bryce threw one of the ugliest interceptions I've seen in a long time that completely killed momentum for them when it looked like they were maybe going to go down and tie it up. So, uh, you know, I was on the, I've been on the wrong side of this game two straight years now. Last year I thought Coastal had the better team and App just beat them up. And mm-hmm. then this year I was like, well, App's got a good running game. Coastal's run defense is iffy. This seems like a, a, a layup. And now Coastal all of a sudden looks like a team that has the best run defense in the conference the last two weeks. So I don't, I don't know. I, I can't really t- make heads or tails of, yeah. of what these teams are doing. Yeah, we. I, I mean, we were both wrong about that Coastal run defense. We kind of thought what they did last week was a was a bit of a fluke. But against uh, Nate Noel, Cameron Peoples, in this uh, App State running game that throughout the season has been pretty pretty good. I, I mean, I guess we were both wrong. Um, we talked, you and I both talked about last week that this is a game where Clark and Chadwell should give the reins to their quarterback McCall, especially because I, I know you're a big fan of Grace McCall. And, uh, you know, despite what you were saying, app state fans feel about chase Bryce. He's a very good quarterback as well. Neither of the coaches did that. Bryce had 28 passes, McCall 26. Um, although both teams called, their quarterback's number in crucial plays. Chase Bryce uh, ran for a touchdown late in the game on a draw play, and then on a uh, on a late third and eleven that kind of uh, put the game away. Uh, Coastal had a had a big deep pass uh, to to Jared Brown, um, but I was just kind of baffled as you mentioned, um, as we talked about last week, that neither team was going to trust their guy, especially App State. Where, I mean, if we want to remember all the way back to the UNC game, Chase Bryce looked like Superman, even though they lost in that game. Uh, they didn't really give him the reins uh, at all. I mean, 28 passes, passing attempts is by no means a low number, but it's definitely not m- nothing that like, a, uh, it's not superb. It's not a, not a program defining quarterback. Um, like I think Bryce has the capability to be, uh, I felt he was just really limited by the play calling that game. Well, uh, just a couple of things on on some of the stuff you mentioned. Number one, I, I agree with them not taking too long to sort of t- 
take the reins, I guess, off of Bryce and let mm-hmm. him throw the ball a little bit more, uh, especially in a game where, you, you know, I, I having been, you know, a Georgia Southern fan up until literally this year was all about establishing the run for us. Obviously. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was all we did. However, at a certain point, when you have the capability to throw the ball, you have to move away from it when it's not working. And and it, it didn't work at all in this game for App. I mean, 27 carries as a team for 88 yards. They averaged under three and a half yards a carry. Um, Noel led the team with 31 yards rushing, which is insane to me, considering like what App has typically done. But... Uh, again, this is this goes back to sort of the play calling, you know, uh, fans upset with him, with Clark and his play calling. Apparently, they, they are upset that these guys aren't being used correctly and like get, getting out into space where they can sort of make some moves. Um, I, I saw a lot of people complaining that they just they run halfback dive like right up the middle way too much for for a team that wants to compete, like you have to mix up the play calling. So you mm-hmm. can't just call the same running play a hundred times and hope it works. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, McCall didn't throw that many passes. However, the, they ran the ball much better than app did. I mean, relatively, you know, it, it wasn't, yeah. they're not going to, they're not going to, down in the record books with this performance, but McCall did have an ankle injury that took him out for, I think a series or two where mm-hmm. uh, Bryce Carpenter came in and basically ran like a wildcat offense um, ish. You know, he, he, I think he played a whole series and, or, or two series and threw like one pass. So yeah. I mean, they were they were clearly just fine, sort of daring app to stop them, and they did for the entire third quarter and kept it close. And then as soon as the fourth quarter started, uh, Coastal puts up those two touchdowns. Like I said, in in rapid succession. I mean, they're a minute and forty seconds apart, fourteen points, and the game was essentially over at that point. Um, and then, like I said, Bryce's pick was ugly i mean yeah. he, he he threw it right to the defender and it was like you can't justify that so um yeah i mean credit to coastal they they like i said all of a sudden they look like you know the 85 bears as far as a run defense goes when three weeks ago we thought they were going to be dead in the water and then app this is just sort of the same more of the same from app they're just they're up and down you know, you ne- never know what you're going to get from them from a week to week basis. And it's starting to kind of play out. Yeah. But yeah, uh, with that coastal moves to eight and one and five and one in conference play, they're well on their way uh, to representing the Sunbelt East uh, in the title game at drops to five and four and two and three in the Sunbelt this season. Uh, I'm not sure anybody would have predicted this sort of drop off for them. I mean, I know I wouldn't have. Uh, no, but I think you and I both had app is, I mean, if not, I think I had, thinking back to the beginning of the season, I think I was, uh, thought App State was going to come out of the East, and I think they were your second best team in the conference, no? Or in the division, rather. 
Yeah. I mean, I thought they were going to be the second best team. I, I still thought Coastal was going to be better yep. uh, top to bottom. But they have – what's the opposite of exceeded expectations? Just undercut everything yeah. that I thought they were going to be. I mean, I, I didn't – I wouldn't have imagined in – a hundred years that we would be looking at a, you know, maybe a future six and six ball club come, you know, week 11 of the yeah. season. Um, yeah, just a, just a bad, it's just a bad, feels like a bad lost year essentially for, for the Mountaineers. Um, let's get into this next game. This was a, uh, pretty much a baseball game, uh, between Marshall and old dominion played out. Marshall kicks four field goals, Wins 12-zip. Old Dominion doesn't really do anything on offense the entire game. Uh, you know, Hayden Wolf had a rough a rough go of it, completed less than half of his passes, threw a pick. Uh, Blake Watson had 28 yards rushing for the entire game. Um, you know, uh, Jennings con- continues to not look like himself, uh, you know, the last couple of weeks. And Marshall... Even though that they have, you know, underwhelming quarterback play throwing the ball from Cam Fancher, he did enough with his legs along with Kalen Laybourne to to get them the win. This was ugly, but I guess a, a win is a win at this stage of the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, you get the win, especially against Old Dominion, who uh, at that point was two and two and still kind of in the mix for the uh, for you know middle of the pack in the Sun Belt. But uh, you mentioned Marshall just offensively 12 points is not not nearly enough um and all three of their field goals uh or their first three scores rather all all of them field goals came from the red zone and that's what really stuck out to me was that marshall has no passing game you know whether it's fancher or i guess columby he's out of the picture now but that team runs the ball it runs through layborn which makes sense but the play call can't reflect that I understand Laybourne's your best uh, weapon, but when in the red zone, you're running the ball 12 times, kicking it four times, and then passing only once, that one pass being an interception in the red zone. Like, if this Marshall team could get an upgrade in quarterback play, an upgrade at the wide receiver position, I think this offense could be incredible, incredible, incredible. You know, we're looking at, like, Coastal Carolina-type offense or uh, levels type of offense, but their inability to pass the ball or their unwillingness to um, in any sort of effective manner is really going to hamper this team long-term should Fancher be the guy moving forward. Yeah, I think it's a little of column A, a little of column B. I mean, Fancher is a freshman, so who Mm -hmm. knows? I mean, if he comes back next year and he's the guy moving forward for Marshall, you know, you, you hope that he kind of develops and and learns from this season. Now, I, again, I do like what I've seen from him using his legs. Uh, not so much throwing the football, obviously, uh, yeah, especially when you, you know, 13 of 25 for less than 100 yards and two picks. Now, the other thing I thought about was I know that you, you mentioned like they don't trust him to throw the football in the red zone. I'm wondering, like, is there a way to throw the ball in the red zone, but also sort of take advantage of, I don't want to say take advantage of Fancher's inability to throw, but like, 
I know that this is a completely different level of play calling, but like if you watch the Kansas City Chiefs, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of red zone plays they run where Mahomes doesn't have to throw the ball five yards in the air. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of jet sweep motion. There's a lot of those little like pop passes. There's a lot of like shovels. Um, I think if they incorporated in some of that, even they would they would see better results than than what they did in this game, kicking you know four field goals. But on the flip side of things, I guess it doesn't matter if the other team can't move the ball, can't score at all. Then you know, again, a win's a win, whatever. I assume, but yeah, I agree with you. If if they had you know, league average quarterback play, I think they'd be a really dangerous team. But man, Fancher throwing the football is just he's he's a liability. And you saw it in some of the other games they played, like the Troy game, where mm-hmm. it, it, they can't throw the football. It, I mean, you know, if they can't throw the football against, you know, Coastal and they can't throw the bo- football against Louisiana or Troy or, you know, whoever, they're in for a long day so maybe they maybe they get it figured out in the offseason maybe Fancher takes that next step I don't know but again credit to them for doing just enough to kind of win this game um Marshall moves to five and four this season two and three in conference play Old Dominion drops to three and six and two and three in conference play uh tough break for the Old Dominion fans who were mad in a, in the preseason that I marked them down as the worst Sunbelt East school yeah, that's tough because <laughs> they are um, getting into this next game. This was the one that that you you know were serving up a a big uh, pile of Blackbird for a lot of uh, online <laughs> Southern Miss fans. Yep. Georgia State absolutely routes Southern Miss forty two to fourteen. Um, you know Southern Miss <laughs> barely cracked two hundred yards of total offense. Uh, they didn't score until the third quarter and. You know, by the time Marcus Carroll punched it in from a yard out to end the third quarter, this game was a wrap because of how little Southern Miss could could move the football. But yeah, so just sort of take me through this game. You know, three three guys had at least seven attempts through the air for Southern Miss. There, mm-hmm. you want to talk about a, a team with a with a, a quarterback situation in turmoil? Look no further than you know Hattiesburg. Yeah, I mean, this, first of all, I don't know if you saw any pictures, and if you haven't already seen pictures uh, to our listeners of the Southern Miss field prior to the game, it was sloppy. I mean, it was cats and dogs. It was a, a slip and slide in, uh, in Hattiesburg. So this going into the game, you would have feeling like Georgia State, like they love to run the ball. They're a very, very good rushing team, maybe the best in the conference outside of Marshall. So just from a pure like condition standpoint, it really favored Georgia State. But Southern Miss just came out and looked flat. Uh, as you mentioned, their their quarterback play all season has been beyond subpar. I mean, this goes back to even last season where they finished the year, run, I think it was three or four games with Frank Gore as your, your top passer. So, I mean, this offense, as I've been saying all year, lacks any sense of firepower. And then – um, if you're not able to stop uh, the Panthers' run game, and we've seen this uh, previously from Georgia State, 
where if you let them run the ball like they like to do, uh, Southern did this, Old Dominion did this, where they let them run the ball effectively, uh, you're just not going to stop that team. Uh, you mentioned 202 offensive yards from Southern Miss. Mind you, 45 of that, I believe, came from one play. So that's almost a quarter of your offensive yards coming from one play. Match that with Marcus Carroll, who had a career game. Darren Granger, who, uh, I mean, he was passable at quarterback, but uh, also did the job on his uh, on the ground. So it just didn't get much. This is a beatdown if as close to it as, uh, as you're going to get. Yeah, like you said, Carroll with 163 yards and three touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Um just a, a crazy uh, performance. Um, you know, w- Southern Miss 202 yards, like we mentioned, not a lot to talk about basically on offense at all. Um, you know, uh, Granger, like you mentioned, was pretty good throwing the football, but really, really did get it done with 143 yards rushing. You know, you would think, I guess, that in a, a situation in a game like this where it's just absolutely torrential raining that maybe Southern Miss would, that would play into their hands with them not having really a quarterback. I mean, Mm -hmm. but it's just funny to be like, no, actually we needed it to be sunny. So the other team didn't run the ball against us as much, I guess was the, was the thought process Um, because Georgia state ran for more yards as a team than Southern Miss had altogether. Yeah. Uh, you know, Marcus Carroll and Darren Granger on the ground combined for more yards than Southern Miss had total. So, like I said, you want to talk about another team like Marshall that just needs a quarterback and just to roll with one guy. Um, yeah, it's the Golden Eagles for sure. Um, Georgia What's State moves game? to what- to jump in, I mean, that's a shame that they're just missing, like, they're missing some sort of passing game because Frank Gore Jr. has not been bad. I mean, obviously, I mentioned he had that 43-yard run it was, but exclude that, he was 10 carries for 44 yards, which is pretty good. I mean, that's, that's above average, I'd say, and uh, I mean, obviously, they don't have any other running backs, but they've got the infrastructure for a good running game, but like Marshall, without a quarterback... I mean, there's not much that running back can do. Obviously, Laybourne is incredibly prolific, and I mean, uh, it's show-stopping when you watch him touch the ball. You think he's going to gain six yards every time, but I think like Southern Miss has the infrastructure, but the offense is not there. It is there is a, uh, I mean, the lack of quarterback as you mentioned, and just the lack of versatility in that offense. Uh, Compare that then over to Georgia State, who you've got four guys between Carroll, Granger, Tucker, Greg, and uh, and uh, Jemias Williams. You've got four guys right there who could drop a hundred yards on any given week. So I think it just kind of shows you how like valuable uh, having more than one weapon is. Yeah, and I'll go ahead and I'll, I'll read this off, and then I'll say basically what I have to say to kind of wrap this up. Georgia State moves to four and five this season, three and two in Sun Belt play. Southern Miss moves to five and four and three and two in Sun Belt play. I, I think there's two things I wanted to touch on. Number one, um, I, I don't know how long it's going to take or if this is ever going to happen, but I feel like people need to recognize like we pay more attention to the entire conference as a whole than a lot of fans of individual teams. Yeah. So like 
so like yes we are wrong from time to time as as any as anyone is but i feel like we have a better feel for like a matchup like this where it's like let's be honest how many georgia state fans are keeping up with southern miss as closely as we do and then on the flip side how many southern miss fans are keeping up with Panthers week to week and like sort of yeah. charting out like what their entire offense and defenses and everything looks like. So again, uh, every, every time I feel like we get people who pop in for like an episode or a clip and don't really listen to this show all the way through. And they're, they're just like getting incensed off of like one thing that we say and just tuning out like the rest of the time. But like I said, I feel like we have a pretty good grip on, these teams at this stage in the season. Now there's some surprising outcomes like this game. I didn't expect to be a complete washout uh, no, of, of Southern Miss. The other thing is I think, I think you should go on a quote tweet spree this week of all the nasty like responses you got <laughs> from Southern Miss fans and just tweet at them. Like maybe some gifts here and there I think would be, I think is appropriate. The, uh, the best given part how- of that. My counter that that is, and uh, a lot of the criticism was not about what you and I or what I had to say about football. It was more about uh, the quality of our. Uh, it, it was more over uh, over broad statements about uh, you and I's intelligence about the Sun Belt. Uh, <laughs> how little attention you and I pay to the conference. How uh, adolescent my voice may sound some days. So to just go back and retweet that would, if it was a criticism about what you and I had to say about football, I would understand. But it was, I take solace in the fact that the meanest, the worst things they had to say was about my voice and not about uh, what we had to say about football. Yeah. I mean, like I said, that that was sort of my first point is like, yeah. You can say whatever you want, but you guys, the people on Twitter who are fans of an individual team, are not keeping up with what Arkansas State or ULM or whatever is doing on a week-to-week basis. You are keeping up with your one school mm-hmm. and whether they win or lose, and then your your thought process does not go outside of that for one minute. You don't think about the team in the other side of the bracket. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, uh, you, you we dealt with this like in the preseason. Like We did an episode on um, – the the Sunbelt Media Day and people were upset that we didn't do like a, a conference preview. Yeah, and I was like, it's coming. Like mm-hmm. we just haven't gotten to it yet. Like it's coming next week. But people were like, this 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 website never talks about Sunbelt. My brothers in Christ, I've been writing for this website for seven years now. Like <laughs> it's not as if we haven't covered the sun pill. We've yeah. had this podcast for five plus years ongoing. So like maybe listen one time before you open your traps, like just to be honest, um, scoreboard. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. so let's, let's move into this next game, man. I could go on for 10 minutes about how, how disappointed I was in how Georgia Southern played uh, in yeah. their 38, 31 loss to South Alabama. I mean, there were two separate periods of this game where Georgia Southern had two touchdown leads and just flat blew it. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, to open this game, South Alabama throws a pick six on the second play of regulation to start. And 
we Georgia Southern returns it. Okay, you're up seven nothing. The first quarter ends. You have a twenty-one to seven lead. That's fourteen point lead number one. Okay, that's still early in the game though, right? You know, it, it, there there's still a lot of time left to play. Except it, midway through the third quarter, with eight minutes to go in that in that frame. Van Trees hits J.J. McAfee for a touchdown. It's 31-17 Georgia Southern. They don't score at all again for the rest of the game after mm-hmm. that point, which is, A, it's a problem for the offense because they 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 looked so sloppy after that point in the game. They couldn't do anything right, it felt like. Defensively, man, I... I know I had said this weeks ago and I had kind of been quiet about it just because Georgia Southern had looked better relatively to what they had looked like to start the season. They still consistently have one of the worst defenses in college football. Mm-hmm. Um, they they look like they've never seen a running play until Saturday. So that's how you get performances like what UAB did earlier this season. You get uh, LaDamian Webb in this game going for almost 250 yards and four touchdowns. Um, I mean, they need, and I I don't say this lightly, they need full wholesale changes both. If they canned the entire defensive coaching staff, I'd be fine with it. If they got rid of every player who played in this game heading into 2023, I would be okay with it. We have zero... Georgia Southern has zero entrenched defensive starters heading into next season. Mm -hmm. Like in my mind, I've not Mm -hmm. been impressed by one defensive player that they've had all year. And it shouldn't, they should not have to score 45 points every week to win a game. But when your coaching is this bad, when your front seven is this bad, when your secondary is also this bad, this is what happens is, a game where you have a two touchdown lead and have scored 31 points midway through the third quarter, you should win that game. I know it's college football, but you should win that game. Mm-hmm. So that's just sort of how I feel about it. People think that that's too reactionary. I also said this on Twitter like yesterday. If Georgia Southern even had a league average defense, yep. they'd be 7-1 and one this season because they have a top 10 offense in the entire country. But the one game that they just absolutely had no business being in was the UAB game. And I, I I'll, I'll concede that, but if they even played league average FBS middle of the pack defense, I think they'd be six and two, seven and one somewhere around there, but they're so bad defensively. It costs them entire games and you see it right here. Yeah. To take you away from the defense, uh, there was one drive or I guess one play late in the game. Uh, it was, what is it? South Alabama had just scored, uh, two touchdowns on two consecutive drives and it comes up fourth and two, about 10 minutes left in the game, tie ball game on at about midfield and Southern elects to punt. Uh, and I think it was like a net 20 yard punt, something like that. Yeah. How do you feel about that play call? Because I, I understand that at that point in the game, um, through the second half, Southern had only had one score, but that feels like a questionable decision to punt on fourth and two at midfield in a tie ball game when you have a running game that is capable of getting two yards without question with a quarterback 
that is, uh, I would say, well above league average or conference average. Uh, so as a, as a fan and someone that pays more attention to Southern, I want to pick your brain on that fourth and two call. Well, okay, so this this will actually loop into sort of how I can wrap this up. I mean, obviously, uh, before I answer that, let me just go through some basic stuff. Like I said, Webb played extremely well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Kyle Van Treese for Georgia Southern was fine. He was a lot better in the second uh, first half than he was in the second half. Um, and, you know, Carter Bradley was not good in this game. Um, I mean, to be quite frank, I mean, like I said, the guy threw a pick six on like the opening possession. Yep. Um, now to, to touch on what you just mentioned, the, the last three drives Georgia Southern had were all atrocious. Um, you look at their, their third to last drive. They had three plays. They got negative of negative seven yards total on mm-hmm. those three plays. So they had a seven point lead. They immediately you know, give that away. Then, like you said, punting there feels like you're just throwing in the towel because your defense isn't going to stop anybody. So it's not as if you're like, Hey, the defense will keep us in it. You know how bad the defense is. Like you need to do everything you can to score points, hold the ball as long as possible to keep the defense off the field. And like you said, it just felt like they threw in the towel. And then the last possession that Georgia Southern had in this game the the example of how slo- the the perfect example of how sloppy they were was the last play that they had the football it's fourth and 5 at the South Alabama 47 they have to go for it right there's 4 mm-hmm. minutes left they have to put up, put up a 7 to to match it they threw a 2 yard crossing route to Dalen Cobb he was never getting 5 yards in a million years i, I Coaches do this, and it infuriates me. I don't understand it. I'm sure there's some coaching reason for it. Why, in a situation like that where you absolutely need the yardage, do you throw a ball short of the sticks and hope a guy breaks multiple tackles and gets five mm-hmm. yards? I, it always just it always makes me want to pull my hair out, to be quite honest. But that they don't have any defensive talent. I mean, like I said, I, I, I think I've summed that up pretty well. And then when your offense, like I said, doesn't put up 45 in a given week, you're not going to win a football game when you have a bottom 10 defense in the country. It's just as good as your offense is. They have to be absolutely perfect every week to give them a chance to win games. So and that's and that played out in this game. They were they should have beaten South Alabama. Like I said, even with the game Webb had. Carter Bradley looked bad. Like I said, South Alabama was is so also undisciplined. I mean, they have they give up tons in penalty yardage. Yeah, it, it was like there were multiple drives in the first half where Georgia Southern looked dead. Like their their drives were going to end, you know, unceremoniously, and then South Alabama would commit a holding or an encroachment or a defensive pass interference or just. You know, roughing the pass or something to keep that fourth drives down you were alive. Just talking about right was a fourth and ten, and then they held, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just like that. Georgia Southern should have taken advantage of that, and they just didn't. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then a stat popped up at one point that that validates what I'm saying. South Alabama is one of the worst, is the worst, I think, in the conference as far as penalties go. They they average the most penalties, the most penalty yardage. So this should have been a winnable game, and this just shows, like, the last couple weeks were nice for Georgia Southern. It was good that they beat James Madison. It was good that they beat Old Dominion. They, they still have a long way to go, especially on the defensive side of the ball, like if they mm-hmm. ever want to do anything. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, but yeah, South Alabama improves to seven and two and four and one in conference play. Georgia Southern drops to five and four and two and three in the Sun Belt. Uh, getting into this next game here, Troy uh, defeated Louisiana behind a, a strong fourth quarter. Um, you know. It, it, the first half and the beginning of the the beginning to middle of the third quarter completely belonged to uh, Louisiana. I mean, they started this game up seventeen nothing. You get a, a two touchdown runs from Woldridge. You get a, a a field goal to close the half. You'd think, hey, you know, Louisiana's got them on their heels. Troy's offense is suspect, um, but then Troy just comes you know, charging back and Louisiana much like Southern just dies in the second half and just cannot score at all. And Troy ends up, you know, scoring a touchdown walk off pretty much with five seconds left on a Kimani Vidal 22 yard run. And that's, that's the ball game. Mm -hmm. So this is a tough, this is going to be a tough one to, to swallow for, uh, for DeSormo and, and, you know, Cajun fans everywhere. I just watching this team play. I mean, first of all, watching Troy play as a guy that enjoys uh, bump and run and low scoring affairs. Watching Troy just kind of makes me feel a little fuzzy inside because this is what I love about football. They're allowing 17 points against a team that uh, I mean, frankly, as you mentioned, score should be scoring a lot more. Um, but like my big takeaway is it really hit me this week. John Summerall turned this team that last year was 5-7, and 3-5 and five in conference, a team that was losing to UL Monroe last year, into, right now, Troy's 7-2, first in the conference, uh, has only one loss in the conference, that being to App State, who I think we can, uh, at that point in the year, App State looked really, really good. On, so, a, on a Hail Mary. No on a Hail less. Mary, no less, yeah. And their only other loss coming to Ole Miss, who, I mean, ranked top 25, I think, at that point in the game year. I don't, I don't remember what Ole Miss was ranked, but they were ranked fairly yep. highly at that point in the year. So, it just like, this was the week where it really hit me, like, John Summerall is making this team really good. And if they're not already the best team in the conference, they will be next year. When you're able to get a little bit more offensive firepower, we're able to upgrade a little bit from Gunnar Watson. Um and I was just really, really impressed. And it, it all just sank in this week about what he's done with this program. 
Well, I, I, I do want to give credit to Summerall for sure, but I think this also shows how bad of a coach Chip Lindsay was. Mm-hmm. Um, because, I mean, by and large, some of these guys that are big contributors for this Trojans team were there last year. I mean, you know, Kimani Vidal, DK Billingsley, you know, guys like that. You know, Carlton Marshall's obviously feels like he's been there a hundred years at this point. I mean, the the key pieces they don't have anybody who has just emerged from nowhere and become contributors. I mean, they they've pretty much had the same roster from year to year. I think it's just <laughs> this just shows like what Troy could have been if they just had a competent coach, mm-hmm. you know, and they have that now in some role, but. Yeah, I mean, credit to them for sure. Um, like I said, coming back down 17-0 is not easy. Um, Louisiana still struggles. You know, that uh, that performance they had a couple of weeks ago in, against Arkansas State and Marshall back-to-back, those performances now looked look like complete flukes. Um, and they just... They struggle to to put up any sort of offense. I know Troy's defense is good, but again, when you have a three score lead, typically you're supposed to be able to protect those, especially when you run the ball as heavy as Louisiana does. Yeah, but but I mean, like I said, credit to Troy, man. They they've really you know turned it around uh, from last year to this year. So with that, the Trojans moved to seven and two overall this season, five and one in Sun Belt play. Louisiana drops to four and five and two and four in the conference. Um, you want to talk about another game that went right down to the wire. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Ewell Monroe barely holds off Texas state, uh, you know, 31 30. They score a touchdown uh, on a Malik Jackson. The Warhawks do a touchdown run with 10 minutes to go. And from there, you know, Texas state couldn't, couldn't get back on the board. I mean, they also, you know, in this midway through the second quarter, we're sitting on a 24 to 10 lead. They were up 21, nothing after the first quarter. And, and, uh, UL Monroe also lost the turnover battle four to zero and still ended up coming back to beat the, uh, the Bobcats. So yeah, good win for Bowden and company for sure. Yeah. Uh, we talked last week. I, I kind of mentioned when we were talking about what games interest you the most, I mentioned that this game was going to be, interesting maybe just due to the sloppiness and especially watching the last few minutes of this game it felt like just really really cruddy television that you cannot take your eyes off of uh you mentioned the the late touchdown well here's the thing ulm has the ball and they've got i believe it was two and a half minutes not even they just need to run the clock out Mm -hmm. run the ball run the ball uh, and at this point, I believe Texas State has all of their timeouts, two if not three. Uh, ULM has the ball. It's a tie game. All they have to do is hold on to the ball for a minute and a half. Incomplete pass, run, third down and 13. Chandler Rogers fumbles the ball. And now all of a sudden it goes from ULM just has to run out the clock to Texas State just has to hold on to it, set up a chippy. Uh, you, um, UL Monroe played really, really good pass, uh, rush defense, uh, although a face mask kind of squandered that after a stop on third and two. So you got third and two, you get the stop face mask, Texas state, new set of downs. 
they get to kick a 38 yarder and uh, they miss it. So the the last like minute and a half of this game was just a comedy of errors is what I mean to say between the fumble, the face mask, the missed extra, uh, the mixed, missed, missed field goal, excuse me. Um, so, I mean, yeah, you mentioned good win, but ULM won despite turning the ball over four times. So I, I don't know how much credit I want to give either team. That's fair. Um, like I said, uh, you know, when you're playing a game this sloppy, I guess anytime you can sort of, you know, edge edge it out and and just come out on top is is impressive. Uh, Chandler Rogers played fairly well in this one: three hundred and ten yards, two touchdowns, and a pick. Um, Tyrone Howell absolutely smoked Texas State secondary: one seventy six on twelve catches and two touchdowns. Mm-hmm. What I was think most this impressive is- about that from him was that. I mean, he his long was only 46. So, I mean, I do this all the time. You take away his long, he still has 11 receptions for 130 yards. That's hella, uh, It's incredibly impressive. So the other funny thing about uh, Howell is it seems to be he just has games like this where he absolutely pops off, and then the next time they play, he just is nowhere nowhere to be found. I mean, he did this against South Alabama. He went for 244 and three touchdowns, which is insane. Mm-hmm. And then in this one, he goes for 176 and two. But then you sandwich that between a five for 24 performance against Army when they desperately needed points in the second half. I don't know, man. Like, I want to say, like, oh, man, this guy's really good, but – there's just uh, to be that inconsistent, especially when your team desperately needs points. Like I said, in the army game is, is tough. Um, yeah, he's just, he's a really big hitter. If you look at those games, you look back to the, uh, the UL game, uh, Louisiana, when they, when he had 124 yards, 89 of that was one play against you, uh, South Alabama, 83 yards on one catch. So he, he has a, a really, uh, fascinating ability to take the top off defenses. And as you look at him as a player, as a wide receiver that interests you, if you're just a scout, you like that, that potential, but I mean, no, no guy can average 40 yards of reception. And when he doesn't have those games where he takes the top off the defense, I mean, he's getting four five, six yards per catch. Yeah. So uh, with this win, UL Monroe moves to three and six this season, two and three in the conference. Texas State drops to three and six and one and four in conference play. Uh, let's get into the last game of the night. You know, it, it looked like James Madison may give Louisville a run uh, on Saturday. It was it was tied ten to ten at at half. And then, as has been the case for a lot of the Sunbelt games that happened this past weekend, um, the Sunbelt team in James Madison just absolutely fell apart in the second half. They don't they don't put up a single point. They give up twenty four unanswered to end the game to Louisville. This was a this was a tough game for everybody, and sort of shows the uh, you have Louisville who. I don't know what happened in their season, to be quite honest. They they looked like a, a dead dog uh, after that loss to Boston College. I know it was by one point. They've mm-hmm. since reeled off four straight wins with this victory. Um, James Madison couldn't do anything on offense besides run the ball with uh, Aguille Obese. Um, Centeo didn't look good. Four of 15 for 52 yards. Um, 
you got to wonder if whatever injury he had hampering him still bothering him. Um, but like I said, Louisville seems to have found found out kind of who they are as a team lately. And James Madison, I mean, they've had three really rough weeks in a row with the Georgia Southern Marshall and Louisville games. So, yeah. I don't know how much more there is to kind of say about this. Yeah, I, I was just really baffled by how they handled the Centeo coming back. I mean, he, as we've seen over the past couple of weeks, uh, that offense really revolves around him. Uh, and I mean, much like any very good quarterback uh, without him, the offense does not go. Uh, and I mean, 10 points against Louisville last week, 12 against uh, Marshall. <sighs> uh, what I don't grasp is Santeo is either hurt or he's 100%, right? Even if he's 99%, he's still hurt. Yeah. And their play call, only five, 15 passes, tells me as a viewer that Santeo is not 100%. So why play him at 99%? Let's say he was 99%. Why play him if you're not going to let him play football. Obviously, he never got into a rhythm, but either play him a little banged up and give him normal volume or sit him another week, wait for another Sunbelt game where he can come in and make an impact in a game that actually matters. They lucked out. He wasn't sacked at all, which, I mean, you always worry about when a quarterback is getting hit that he's going to, you know, hurt himself, uh, and they kind of lucked out. Santeo didn't take any sacks, so he didn't have a chance to re-aggravate whatever uh, his, uh, I believe it's his oblique, is it not? So, but it is just absolutely baffling to me that you're going to let him play, but then change the game script as if he's not fully healthy. If you're going to change the game script, just don't play him. I understand Billy Atkins is, you're not really going to vouch a ton of confidence in him, but I can't get on board with that decision. No, I get it. I, I mean, from I, I have a friend that's a James Madison fan, and I was talking to him about it. He said that this is one hundred percent Centeo's last year of college. Mm-hmm. So maybe they, maybe he was just like, even if I'm hurt, like, and it, it, it could be an issue of with his oblique that it's not going to get better. It's just pain tolerance at this point because some of those injuries are like that. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know personally, but I'm just saying like. Maybe he looked at the coaching staff and was like, hey, this is my last year of college. I'm playing whether I'm hurt or not, and I can rehab in the offseason or whatever. Because if if you're done playing college football, what does it matter at that point? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it was a combo of he may still be hurt. He didn't play well in the attempts they gave him. It seems like from the way that they called this game, James Madison was just like, let's just run the ball and get out of here. Like, to be honest, because you run the ball 36 times in a game where you lose by 24. So four scores. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Maybe they were just like, hey, let's just make sure no one else is injured when we leave the, the stadium yeah. uh, is the only the other thing I could think. Um, but, yeah, James Madison drops to five and three. Louisville moves to six and three. Um, let's start in on this weekend's games. Uh, Thursday night. Uh, my team, Georgia Southern, is traveling to Lafayette to take on Louisiana. Uh, this is going to be an interesting matchup uh, because you've got Georgia Southern, who's never seen an offense they didn't want to give up 
uh, yards and points to against Louisiana, who has been struggling as of late to score points. They scored 24 in a loss to Southern Miss. They scored 17 in a loss to Troy. Um, yeah. Uh, they, they basically have beaten Marshall and then a lot of the bottom feeders in the conference. And then on the flip side, you go, well, if Georgia Southern can't stop the run, and that's all Louisiana really wants to do because they definitely don't want Wooldridge throwing the ball uh, as much as he did last week, especially, then, you know, I, I'm going to hesitantly say Louisiana. Um, I can't trust Georgia Southern's defense. Mm-hmm. I just can't. Every time that I've been like, hey, there it might be getting better, there might be a semblance of improvement, they crater like they did last week. So I'm going to take Louisiana minus three at home. Um, I could see this being the one of these coming out, not coming out party, but like one of the times where you look at the end of the game and go, wow, Louisiana must have really figured some stuff out on offense. And then you're going, no, it's just Georgia Southern's just that bad on defense. I um I kind of take the opposite approach. I think Southern's going to pull this out because I think offensively they're just they're going to just overwhelm the occasions. I mean, two weeks ago they allowed thirty nine against USM team that, as we talked about previously, is not very potent offensively. The week prior allowed thirty eight to Arkansas, and the week before that allowed twenty three to Marshall. Marshall, mind you, this past week only put up 12. So I think this is a game in which Southern scores 45-plus. I'm looking at the over-under right now as 59-and-a-half. I'm hammering that because I think Southern has the ability to drop 45-plus this game just based off how Louisiana has played. And despite Louisiana's recent offensive struggles, as you mentioned, Southern doesn't play a lick of defense. So this is a game in which we could see a total score – uh, combined hit the 90s. Um, but uh, and I just trust Southern to outscore Louisiana more than I trust Louisiana to outscore Southern in a shootout. I think it's, I think this is this call for me is more of a heart versus head argument because my heart says, and not just being a homer, that I agree with everything you just said, mm-hmm. and my head goes. But you idiot, you just watched them give up 245 yards rushing to one player last week for Southern or for South Alabama. So I'm going to tentatively take the Cajuns just for that reason. I mean, Chris Smith has the potential to go nuts in this game because, like I said, Georgia Southern's never seen an opposing offense they wanted to stop. Um, and yeah, I, I think this could be a lot of points too. I think the the over is a good call there. Mm-hmm. I, I just have a hard time seeing this game being 24 to 17 because sure. Southern puts up a bunch of yards, puts up points, whether they put up enough to win, you know, is a, another matter, but, and Louisiana is going to Georgia Southern's front seven is like seven turnstiles at, at like a subway station that you just kind of walk past when you're getting where you want to go. Um, so yeah, that's that's the way I see that one. Uh, let's get into Saturday. UL Monroe is traveling to Atlanta to take on Georgia State. Georgia State is a thirteen and a half point favorite. Over under is fifty nine. I think Georgia State wins the game. However, the spread seems like a lot, but the over under is fifty nine. I think I'm going to take the over. I think Georgia State can score points. 
UL Monroe can put up some of their own, and UL Monroe's defense simply isn't very good. So I could see, you know, a 45-21 final score Georgia State winning this, but I don't feel comfortable enough to bet the spread, if that makes sense. No, I, I get that. Um I think Georgia State is going to have another one of its now trademark uh, 200-plus rushing games, where 250-plus rushing games, where they've got two guys dropping 100 yards, and then you know whatever third guy decides to show up is going to drop 40, 50 yards uh, against Monroe. I mean, we look back to the Army game, where obviously Army plays a very different type of running football, but they put up 48 against UL, uh, UL Monroe. Um, you, uh, when they played, con- um, I'm not conference USA, when they played USA, uh, I mean, so South Alabama was running the ball very well. So, um, it's going to come down to, and we say this every week is, is Darren Ranger going to be good enough to, in the air to, to win a football game. And I think against, uh, ULM, he will be, but I mean, it, it's a coin flip. It really, really is. Maybe a dice roll or, you know, maybe a, a three-sided die where two are yes, one is no. But uh, it's going to come down to can Granger show up as it always does for this team? Well, I think it's going to look a lot like the Southern Miss game from last week where it didn't really matter mm-hmm. if if he threw the ball or, or not. I mean, I could see he... And, you know, that stable of running backs that Georgia State has, I could just see him and another guy just tearing it up on the ground, to be quite honest. So I'm going to take, yeah, Georgia State there uh, straight up. But from a betting perspective, I'd look at the over of 59. I think there's going to be quite a quite a bit of scoring in this one. Um, another one o'clock Eastern time kick we have. Uh, the Battle of the Virginia Schools. Uh, James Madison's traveling to Norfolk to take on Old Dominion. JMU's an eight-point favorite. Over-under is 46.5. I want to take JMU, but my one reservation is how hurt is Todd Santeo? Because if he is legitimately, legitimately injured, mm-hmm. then I'll take Old Dominion to upset them. Because if they just get... If if James Madison just gets nothing out of their quarterback position, Brian. I, I think Old Dominion could do enough to win this game. However, if if Centeo is Brian. like 60, 70% of what he was pre-injury, I think JMU still handles this. So I'm gonna tentatively take JMU, but I don't I again I need to see how injured Centeo actually is. No, uh, I agree with you there. Um, as we've seen the past couple of weeks, Santeo, uh, as we just talked about, uh, this offense really revolves around um, or doesn't work without him. The counterpoint to that being Old Dominion, despite both teams being on a three-game losing streak, does not look good. I mean, they held Marshall last week to 12 points, or I don't know how much they held it, or it was Marshall shooting themselves in the foot, but they got shut out. And, I mean, against Georgia State, they lost and only allowed 17 against uh, Georgia State defense that is, you know, not the best in the conference. They only put up 23 against the uber-poorest Georgia Southern team. So even with Santeo not at full th- strength, even if you put Billy Atkins in there instead of Santeo, uh, I, I feel good taking James Madison here. Yeah, Um I don't see anything – I haven't seen anything as of late from Old Dominion that makes me – it gives me any sort of 
interest in picking them. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. I haven't seen anything out of the passing game with Jennings seem, seemingly beat up. Watson has sort of fell back to earth running the football. You saw what Wolf did last week when he doesn't have Jennings to sort of just dump the ball off to a bunch. And and if Watson's not contributing on the ground, then they're pretty much a dead dog on offense. Um, so, yeah, getting into this next game here, uh, this should be one of the rare Arkansas State victories uh, as they welcome in UMass, who regularly fields the, the worst uh, FBS football program, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, UMass has only win the seasons over an FCS Stony Brook team. Uh, Arkansas State's a 17-point favorite over 150. Uh, give me Arkansas State uh, minus 17. Um, you know, UMass has had a couple games here and there where they've looked frisky-ish, uh, but then they've had also games where they lost by 17 to UConn, who's also typically one of the worst teams in all of college football. Uh, they, they've pretty much played like a I don't, what is the opposite of a murderer's row? Like the the lollipop guild of sure. the uh, <laughs> of of college football with like New Mexico State, UConn, you know, Temple, Toledo, teams like that on their schedule, and they've yet to pick up a win over an FBS opponent. So give me Arkansas State minus seventeen. I got nothing to add about the football. I do have a fun anecdote. Um, uh, right now I'm studying at University of Georgia, best football team in the country, ranked number one by the time this episode comes out. The uh, one other school I was uh, considering studying at, UMass, the single worst FBS uh, program in the country. So that, outside of that anecdote, I got nothing uh, of substance to add to this game that should be a, a route for Arkansas State. Yeah, 100%. Um so next game here, uh, 3.30 kick Eastern time. Army is going to travel to Troy to take on the Trojans. Troy's a nine-point favorite over-under is 46.5. Um, I'm taking Troy here minus nine comfortably. Uh, I think this is going to be a house of horrors for Army in this one. Mm-hmm. Um, this is not the ULM <laughs> you know, Warhawks that they're playing. Uh, this is a... This is a football team that that plays a lot of defense. They give a lot of t- a lot of people trouble, whether it's running the ball, throwing the football. I think the Trojans just completely, you know, control this game from start to finish. So I'm going to take uh, Troy in the nine. No, I agree with you. Uh, my backing for that is uh, Army has played an oddly Sunbelt heavy schedule this year. This will be their fourth uh, matchup, having lost to Coastal and Georgia State, but then uh, walked all over UO Monroe. You just got to look at, I mean, Georgia State, uh, they lost to, Army did, lost to 31-14. I think it's unanimous that Troy's a better team than Georgia State. If you lose to Georgia State, you're going to lose to Troy. And uh, I mean, as much as I hate to use that transitive thought uh, in sports, I feel like it holds pretty well here. Troy's going to stifle the Black Knights in their triple option, flex bone, anomalous offense. Yeah. Uh, Another 3.30 Eastern time kick. App State is traveling to Huntington, West Virginia to take on Marshall. App is a one-point road favorite over-unders 47. I'm a little conflicted here. 
I think it I think App is gonna win this game just just on the basis of their offense is not one dimensional. However, the thing that gives me pause is are the Mountaineers going to be able to stop Kalen Laybourne? Um right now uh Marshall is it, Marshall seems like another team on paper, like a team on paper that's a bad style matchup for App. Uh, Marshall only surrenders 78 rushing yards per game. Um, App surrenders 137. If Laybourne finds some success, I could just see App State flail around once again, like they did last week, like they did against Troy, uh, Texas State. Um, I'm going to take App, but I don't feel great about it. <laughs> This game reminds me a lot uh, for App State of their game, not to use Georgia State again as another uh, point of reference, but when they played Georgia State. Um, And because of that game, I'm going to take App State here. Uh, When Georgia State and App State played back in mid-October, the Panthers ran for about 220 yards, just over. And App State still won. 17-14 to was the final. for some reason, App State is able to get walked over in the run game. I mean, we can maybe exclude Coast last week's game against Coastal um, as a as an outlier. But mm-hmm. App State, uh, if we're going to use Georgia State as a litmus test, which I feel is adequate, I'd say Marshall, Georgia State, roughly same echelon of football team. App State can get walked all over and still win a football game. Uh, it's just going to be, will you let Chase Bryce throw the ball? Um, because Marshall's going to control the time of possession. So you're going to need to score quick. Um, and so if they allow Chase Bryce to pass the ball with any sort of uh, frequency, I think uh, App State comes out on top. Yeah, I mean, also the question is, at what point, if they turn in a rushing performance app state, similar to what they did against coastal last week, at what point do you turn chase Bryce loose with the football? And are you going to once again, wait until it's too late to do so? Um, that's what you I'm interested in most. If you don't come into this game already firing, um, not to be overly reactionary, but I really do think you have to start asking questions about the play call there. especially against uh, after last week's game. You just, you've got to come out firing against a team that likes to pound the rock. Uh, You can beat that by just being faster than them. So if the Mountaineers don't try to do that, uh, it raises or at the very least heightens pre-existing questions about the play call there. Yeah. I mean, we'll we'll see what they end up doing, but it seems like. And also, he, here's my other question, and, and this is more of just a rhetorical one mm-hmm. for for App. What do you have left to lose at this point that you can't just come out and let Chase Bryce throw the ball? Like their seasons i mean the only thing they can do from here on is make a bowl game so they need one more win but what what do they have to lose at this point if they come out and cameron peoples and nate noel are getting stuffed again this week like they did last week against coastal stop banging your head against the wall like 
do something different. You have nothing left to lose. You're out of the running for the East title, you know, title game. You're done. It's over. So you might as well try something different and see if it works at this point. Um, and we'll see if <laughs> Sean Clark ever opts to do that. I don't know. It's He hasn't yet so far. So uh, getting into this next game, uh, 5 o'clock Eastern time kick. Texas State is traveling to take on South Alabama. South Al is a 16.5 point home favorite in Mobile. Over-unders 47.5. I think I will take the over of 47.5. I think South Alabama can score some points. I think Texas State can score enough to contribute uh, sort of to the, the final here. Um, Texas State, they had a couple rough weeks when they played Troy and Southern Miss. But other than that, they have been able to score some points in games this season. So I think they'll be able to together hit the over fairly comfortably. I agree with you on that. I think, uh, I mean, this is Texas State team that no secret isn't that good in the South Alabama team that is we've said previous is the one of if you know I top two in the West so there's no question about the spread or how this game's gonna go um I I worry if Texas State's gonna be enough give enough to uh contribute to the over under I mean it took them I mean, they put up 31 points or 30 points rather last week against ULM back when they played Southern Miss, whose defense, uh, it, you know, you got questions about it, only put up 14. So I, I don't know if Texas State is going to be able to contribute more than, say, 17 points. And uh, for a South Alabama team that only scored 38, and you say only, uh, but they only scored 38 against Georgia Southern, uh, I'm leaning more to the under on this take. Okay. Um, yeah, we'll see how how that goes. Sixteen and a half is just a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a weary unless it's like a clear, you know, David and Goliath or what have you type of situation where you you can obviously say, oh, this team's going to pound this team. Like, I don't know that Texas State's going to lose by seventeen. You know, to be to be yeah. quite honest. Um, so getting into this last game of the night. Coastal Carolina is welcoming in Southern Miss, uh, offensively challenged Southern Miss, uh, to Conway. Coastal Carolina can lock up officially the trip to the Sunbelt title game with a win here. So I think they're going to be firing on all cylinders. Uh, They're an 11.5-point home favorite, over-unders 54. I think they're going to win comfortably uh, by by more than an 11.5 just because they know what's at stake. They, you know, they have two Sunbelt games remaining. They have this, and then they have the game against James Madison to end the season. James Madison, as we've talked about before, can't go to the Sunbelt title game, even if they wanted to. Um, and, uh, and Georgia state, uh, you know, doesn't have the, the tiebreaker win mm-hmm. over coastal. So even if they both finish with two losses, coastal would still go. So I'm going to take Coastal. I think they just want to absolutely put a a stamp on this season and just, you know, punch their ticket and be on their merry way, essentially. I I agree. I don't know if I anticipate the same type of beatdown that Georgia State put on the uh, Golden Eagles just because that's a little anomalous. Uh, However, 11.5 is a really good spread. I feel like Coastal could win this one by 14, 17, somewhere in that region. Um, and I'd be comfortable with that. I just, 
I, I agree with you. I mean, Southern Miss needs one more win to to book a uh, a bowl game bid, but it's not going to come here. Uh, luckily, they end the season final game against UL Monroe, so maybe they'll be able to clinch it in the final week. But uh, I agree with you. I mean, Coastal's just going to route uh, the Golden Eagles, and they're going to go zero and two over the past two weeks. Yeah, I agree. All right, so that wraps up uh, the Week 11 slate upcoming. Zeke, do you want to share uh, a game that you're looking forward to this weekend specifically? None of the games really jump out to me on paper as exceptionally exciting. Um, I feel like most of them have a uh, a pretty obvious outcome uh, for the most part. But out of the slate, I, I like the Southern Louisiana matchup just because we get uh, even more insight into what's going on in uh, in that Cajun offense uh, against a, a very porous defense. We're going to be able to see if they can uh, figure something out or if they really are just as in limbo, um, if it's as coin flippy as we've uh, looked at the past couple of weeks. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, obviously, I'll be keeping a close eye on that game. I think it is fairly intriguing just to – as a barometer to kind of see where both of those teams are at uh, mm-hmm. at this stage in the season. It's kind of hard to pin down both of both of those teams. I think the other game I'm looking forward to, and th- there's no title implications or anything like that. App State and Marshall just seem to be fairly evenly matched on paper. So, you know, the, these two teams have played the last two seasons before this when they split both of those matchups. Um, both home teams won, and, uh, it, you know, in those respective games. And then you've got, you know, Marshall hosting this one. I'm just interested to see, like we talked about with the point, the, the t- kind of talking points for this game, you know, is app going to show the ability to go away from the running game? If it doesn't work, um, mm-hmm. it's going to be key for me. So I think that'll be an interesting game uh, to watch as well. Uh, Zeke, you want to finish up by letting everyone uh, letting everyone know where they can send their angry tweets at you this this weekend? No, yeah, I mean, I know the Southern Miss fans already know where to find me, but for the the rest of the conference, uh, I'm on Twitter at Zeke Palermo, Z E K E P A L E R M O. Uh, post about post all of my uh, Georgia State stories. Post the podcast there, Brian. I know you're on Twitter as well. Yeah, as always, you can find me on Twitter at Watch the Stone. Um, the the preview for Louisiana Georgia Southern is going to go up Thursday morning, um, just because we like the nature of a Thursday night game. Um, but yeah, that that'll close it out. And you've just been listening to another edition of the Underdog Dynasty Sun Belt Podcast. Mm-hmm.